When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Here's the staff to Riley's. He drops back. Blue Chiefs looking for Everly. He's going. Go to the end zone. Now McDavid walks in right circle. Back to Everly. Touchdown. Eskimo. One time to score. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. All right, here we go. Oilers set to take on the Sharks, trying to fight for home ice advantage in the first round of the playoffs. NHL action already underway tonight in the second period. The Jets lead the Blue Jackets 2-1. Islanders in front of the Hurricanes 3-0. Penguins and Devils tied 2-2. Bruins up 1-0 on the Senators. In the first period, the Leafs trying to clinch a playoff spot. Scoreless with the Lightning. Also in the first period, Blues up 1-0 on the Panthers. Other games still to come. The Oilers and Sharks at 8.30 here on 6.30. Chad, the face-off show will start in one hour. That was your crystal glass scoreboard for all your glass needs. Call 310-GLASS today. It's 6.07. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks for tuning in to Inside Sports on 6.30. Chad, so it's going to be interesting here. The Oilers and Sharks are looking like... like likely first-round opponents, though that is is not totally for sure. Head coach Todd McClellan. I don't think either teams are going to tip their their hats. Uh, odds are we're going to play this team in the playoffs, so I don't think you're going to see uh, a lot of new formations and in face-off alignments or whatnot as the, as the game goes on. Uh, we're going to play. We're going to play hard, just like they will. And um, the goal is always to win win the two points. All right, so. That's Todd McClellan. Of course, you'll hear more from him on the Faceoff show as we bring in former NHL goaltender, now an analyst with the NHL on Rogers, Kelly Rudy. Kelly, welcome back to the show. How's it going? Oh, fantastic, Reed. Yourself? I'm doing great. So th- there it is, buddy. You heard the clip from Todd McClellan, and you would have played in these games as a player where you you know you're in. Is is this the secretive time of year? Is this is this keep it pretty vanilla with the game plan, or what did you think when you heard that? Well. I would partially agree. I think that, you know, you have to be careful about how you go into these playoffs, and and you don't want to show your hand for certain things, but other things, you want to make sure that you are sending messages that uh, you're not going meekly into the playoffs, regardless of who your opponent. So I think sometimes you get some really testy games going in there, and that's a good thing when you have emotion like that, because sometimes these games can be difficult when you've clinched just a while ago. And it, you're, you know, you're thinking of resting players, and it's not the same sort of mood in the dressing room. You sort of have to, to a tiny degree, manufacture a little bit of enthusiasm. So these are interesting games. And, I, you know, I, I'm thinking about a lot of teams now, a lot of coaches are talking about it's not all that important to finish first anymore. And I would agree with that to a certain degree. When you're looking at the parity around the league, I don't think home ice has the same 
sort of advantage that it would have, say, maybe in my day, where there are a lot of really difficult buildings to play in and, and intimidating buildings. Although I will say this, I think San Jose is a really good home team. So I'm not necessarily sure you want to start against those guys. But if you do, uh, you just have to make sure you're ready for a really good first period. Well, you said a lot of interesting stuff in there, Kelly, that, that I want to follow up on you with. And you talked about that you might have to manufacture emotion a, a little bit. So, so that's maybe something you would watch for is the engagement level as, a per, as opposed yeah. to what the teams are doing strategically? Yes, absolutely. And then I'll take it even a step further. I'm not the biggest fan of when coaches uh, play the starter for maybe half the game and then put in the backup for half the game. Uh, I would rather just play one guy the full game and maybe uh, rotate the last two games, something like that, just because the mindset is entirely different when you know you're only playing half a game. It's not the proper mindset, I feel, uh, going into the playoffs. And I had some coaches that did that with uh, me and my partners uh, down the stretch, and I wasn't confident enough in, in pleading my case but I, in the back of my mind, I was like, geez, this just isn't quite right because I, I'm preparing only to play 30 minutes or 20 minutes or whatever the breakdown will be, and it's not the same as preparing for an entire game and including overtime. And as you know, you have to prepare differently for playoffs for overtime because there's there, it might be one, two, three, four periods of overtime. And so you have to be in the right frame of mind and not adjusting your mind for a shorter span. You know, it's interesting, too, after uh, Tuesday's game, you know, Rob and I were up uh, do, doing overtime open line, and people were calling in, and, and, you know, the Oilers had won 9 of 10, so they had that, uh, and they had a five-game winning streak snapped, and they lost to the Kings with some unusual suspects for the Kings doing the damage. I mean, it was really their depth players getting to the net and having an impact in that game. And Rob said, you know, not that you like losing, but he said, if you take a long winning streak into the playoffs, then, you know, from Rob's point of view, you might start to think, well, are, are the breaks going to go against you? Are you going to not get the bounce that you were getting during the winning streak? So I thought that was an interesting way to, to look at it. I mean, I, I, I know there's no such thing as, as too much winning, but I think, too, if you yeah. listen to the post-game clips from Nugent Hopkins, Latestu, McClellan, they were all aware of, of what went wrong. And you, and you as, as a human being, whether you're a player or not, I think you always need those reminders. And that's so right of Rob about uh, how sometimes we overthink things. So uh, I can understand he, how he would think that because conversely, how I used to spin it in my own head is if we were playing against somebody that was on a big winning streak or maybe their, their overtime record was terrific and we were facing them, I always spun it the other way. Well, they're due to lose now. I mean, and we might as well be the team to beat them. So it was always interesting you just set the table for yourself however you want to see it. And, and so you make every situation usually a positive one. And also the players are right when uh, you're talking about how they reacted after that loss. And sometimes it's a good learning tool, too. It, it sort of refocuses people. Coaches can now teach a little bit more when guys are coming off a loss. And so uh, all important factors when you think that uh, playoffs are just, uh, what, less than a week away now. Kelly Rudy joining us on Inside Sports at 6.13. Can also tell you the Blue Jays lead Tampa Bay 4-0, that game in the bottom of the fourth. Uh, Kelly, and you brought up home ice. 
and and specifically how you know it could be a big deal with the Sharks. They're 25, 10, and four at home. Uh, the Oilers have won their last eight at Rogers Place, which ties a team record for the longest home winning streak. By the way, what what can home ice actually? Mean. I mean, we know that you get to start, and if it goes seven, you get to finish. When you look back on your career, what did it actually mean in series? It really would depend on the team that I had. First of all, you have to really manage your emotions. Uh, I found more so on home ice because there are more things that you're going through. And unfortunately, you clutter, like I said before, you clutter your brain with thought. So it was really important for our teams uh, when we started home is you always know you're going to have a great first 10 minutes. Yeah, I mean, it, it's always inevitable that you come just roaring out of the gate. And so what you've got to really make sure is that you capitalize. Otherwise, now it's an emotional battle because the other teams weathered the storm. They're going to be coming at you, and it's a major disappointment if you don't close the deal in that first game after you've had just a wonderful start. So that was something I re- it was really important for us to win the first game. Uh, for that reason, and but the other thing is, I really did enjoy Game Seven on home ice, um, unless we weren't all that good on home ice uh, in the last part of the year. And then it, it, again, there's that seed of doubt. So sometimes it's a little less pressure playing on the road, and I think the the numbers have proven that lately that the road teams uh, are winning more of the playoff games now than the home teams. And again, that's parity and all these sorts of things. So. I think it's it's good to have home ice, but it's, uh, it's certainly not a deal breaker to me. Like, oh boy, this is going to be a tough series because we don't have Game Seven on our ice. Kelly, whenever we talk, some of the the things you bring up from the mental perspective of, of of experiences you had as a player and how you were just talking about home ice, but then you you qualify said, well, unless we didn't have a great second half of the season. I mean it must be it must be amazing that the stuff that was bouncing around. I'm not I'm not I don't mean this is a put down, but just the ups and downs yeah. of the season and the stuff that must have been bouncing around uh, in your head sometimes and all those little things that can affect an individual and then how, what, how that individual might be thinking can affect the whole team dynamic. Absolutely. And, and I wasn't the only one. It was everybody that's going through their own sort of uh, mental turmoil to a certain degree. And that's what kind of separates the guys that are able to last. They're sort of better equipped to turn off that uh, your raging or your brain that's on fire at times and try and stay calm uh, when it's it's really not that easy. Uh, I remember, uh, you know, weeks ago with uh, Bell Let's Talk, and uh, I was texting with Ron McLean because we he and I have had these interesting uh, conversations conversations about mental health, and he left me with a, a quote or a comment uh, from the World Cup, and I've never forgotten it. And he said, "Inner peace, what a quest." And, and that's kind of my point when you're talking about these players. They've got all these thoughts going in their head, and what they've got to really do besides being physically ready, make sure mentally they're in a really good place so they can be relaxed and perform. Did you ever play with anybody who just wasn't bothered by anything? Uh, not a good player. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, uh, every guy that I played with, again, that I, I can think of that, uh, played a long time, was a guy that really had stuff going on in his head but was really able to keep it uh, in a place which wasn't as bothersome as some other guys. 
That's interesting. So it's all about putting away, putting it away once you get out on the ice somehow, eh? Yep, absolutely. Dennis Potvin said it best. He said, do your thinking in the afternoon, go out and play at night. Well, that's good advice, buddy. <laughs> all right, yeah. uh, just quickly before I let you go, McDavid and Dreisaitl, point streaks, both uh, at 11 games. Um I mean, Dreisaitl, maybe at some point he's going to be on his own line as a center, but the Oilers have not had two guys in the top 10 in scoring finish the season, and the Oilers might do it this year. You're going to like these names. Since 88-89, Curry was 8th and Jimmy Carson was ninth, And then McDavid and Dreisaitl have just been a fantastic duo this year. Yeah, they sure have. I mean, it's been really fun watching McDavid because he's such a dynamic player. But, boy, I just didn't know that Dreisaitl was going to be at this level this quickly. We certainly were impressed with his play before, but, I mean, the chemistry he's had with McDavid. The other thing is that uh, Nick Kiprio showed a really cool clip last week. I'm not sure if you saw it, Reed, but we all think of McDavid as how fast he is. Well, there's a two-on-one, and uh, we clocked it out where uh, Dreisaitl was like half a kilometer faster than McDavid. Now, it was McDavid carrying the puck, so that would be a factor as well. But it, people are saying one of the knocks against Drysaddle to a certain degree might have been foot speed. Well, that's not the case anymore. Next time we talk, Kelly, we will know the playoff matchups and we can break down the Oilers' first round opponent, buddy. Have fun tonight. Thanks so much for chiming in. Okay, pal. I'll talk to you next week. Kelly Rudy joining us on Inside Sports as he does once a week, analyst with the NHL on Rogers, former goaltender with the Sharks, Kings, and Islanders. It is 619. You can always reach me by texting 63630. The phone number is 780-496-0063. The email, insidesports at 630ched.com. We'll uh, continue to tee up the Oilers game. We'll update what's going on in the Western Hockey League as they're rolling into the second round. And Morley Scott has the latest on the curling as Canada continues to cruise over at Northlands Coliseum. It's Inside Sports on Chet. This is Mark Letestu from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. All right, and expect it tonight that Mark Letestu will center Drake Kajula and Iro Pakarinen, who will return to the lineup as the Oilers take on the San Jose Sharks. We have the game for you right here on 630 Chet. Faceoff coming up in about two hours and 15 minutes. Uh, judged uh, based on the morning skate as well, looks like Matthew Benning will stay in the lineup on defense, so Eric Griba will be a healthy scratch. Couture and Thornton not going to go for San Jose tonight, but they're hopeful to get both those guys back for the playoffs. Of course, Cam Talbot is going to take another crack at breaking Grant Fuhrer's record for most wins in a season by an Oilers goaltender. Fuhrer had 40 back in 87-88. Talbot sitting at 40. Fuhrer was in attendance on Tuesday night when the Oilers visited the LA Kings, but the Kings came out with the victory, so uh, Talbot's going to take another shot at that record tonight. Brad Marchand suspended two games for that spear on Jake Dodgson of the Tampa Bay Lightning the other night at the Women's World Hockey Championship. Shannon Zabados with a 23-save shutout. Canada beats 4-0. Uh, Canada wins 4-0 over Finland to move on to the gold medal game tomorrow. At the Masters, it is Charlie Hoffman 7 under par with a four-shot lead over William McGirt, so already a four-shot lead for Hoffman. The uh, Canadians, Adam Hadwin, three over. Mike Weir, four over. Mackenzie Hughes, seven over. Obviously, a lot can change over the leaderboard in uh, the next few days here, but Hoffman off to a roaring start. World number one, Dustin Johnson, 
not in the Masters. He withdraws because of a back injury. Johnson says he took a few practice swings this morning, but it just didn't feel right. The back swing's fine. I could swing, yeah. take it back. It was impact, and through impact is where it would catch. And so, you know, I just felt like I, I, I'm not going to be able to compete. Now, of course, his uh, status was in doubt ever since he hurt his back in a fall down a staircase yesterday. Yeah, I had my socks on. I was just hanging and went to go walk down the stairs and slip. Landed on my elbow and my left lower back. Um, you know, elbows bruised and swollen, which is fine. That, that doesn't bother me. All right. So Dustin Johnson out of the tournament. Tough break for him. You probably heard Don Rickles passed away today. I found some video of the insult king going at members of the L.A. Dodgers from 1986. I'll tell you this, though, Bill. You're a marvelous, marvelous ball player. You got out of Pittsburgh just in time. Thank you. Because the steel workers were starting to grin at you. <laughs> You're a wonderful ball player. You play third base terrific. Dave Anderson, the wonderful filling guy, keeps sitting up in the stands with a rifle trying to pick you off. <laughs> so I don't think you're going to finish the season, Bill, but I want to wish you a lot of luck. You and Bill Russell can hang up at the actor's home and just sit on the porch going, we were big ones, we were big ones. <laughs> That was some interesting video to watch. Uh, Tommy Lasorda was in the video. Don Rickles called him Tubbs. Of course, uh, Tommy Lasorda did a bunch of uh, weight loss product promotion back in the day. So anyway, uh, Don Rickles, funny guy. I went to see David Letterman uh, when I was in New York in 2007, and we missed Don Rickles by a couple of days. Instead, uh, the show we went to had Jane Fonda and Kelly Clarkson and the only episode of Letterman that I've ever seen that did not include a top 10 list. Would have been great to be in studio for Don Rickles. We'll bring in Cam Moon for some WHL chat when we get back after the news. It's Inside Sports on 630 Chet. This is Oscar Clefbaum from your Edmonton Oiler, and you're listening to the Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. Clefbaum and the Oilers a couple of hours away from dropping the puck in San Jose. Edmonton 2-1-1 against the Sharks this season. Then a home-and-home against Vancouver to close out the regular season. Oilers in Vancouver Saturday hosting the Canucks on Sunday. And, of course, we will have those games and all the Oilers playoff games right here on 630 Chet. In the NHL tonight, in the second period, the Penguins lead the Devils 5-3. Islanders up 3-0 on the Hurricanes. Jets and Blue Jackets tied 3-3. And the Senators and the Bruins are tied 1-1. Toronto and Tampa Bay scoreless after the first. Early in the second period, Blues up 1-0 on the Panthers. A few more games still to come tonight, including Chicago taking on Anaheim. It'll be interesting to see how the Blackhawks play after giving up 51 shots and blocks blowing a lead and losing to Colorado a couple of days ago. Oilers fans, you obviously want the Oilers to win tonight and you want Anaheim to lose, and then the Oilers would still have a decent shot at first place in the division. So we'll follow along with those. Baseball, 4-0. Blue Jays leading Tampa Bay. They're into the bottom of the fifth. And as I mentioned, Charlie Hoffman, 7-under today at the Masters. He has a four-shot lead. Hey, I want to welcome Cam Moon to the show from the Red Deer Rebels play-by-play booth. I combined voice and booth into one word. I made up a new word just for you, Cam. I'm pretty sure. I knew what you meant. I knew where you're going. Sometimes my mouth goes faster than my brain, but that's all right. How you doing, buddy? Doing pretty good. How about you? Good. You know what? Just as a bit of an aside here, I, I was scanning the Oilers roster today, yeah. and I thought, I wonder how many uh, 
Oilers cam called games in the Western Hockey League. Now, just let me run through this here, see if I got everybody. Nuge obviously was a Red Deer Rebel, so you called dozens of his games. You would have had Dreisaitl for his time in the dub with a couple of teams, right? Uh, where you are, you were already calling Red Deer games when Lucic was playing for Vancouver. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, you would have had Everly. Yeah. And Chris Russell playing for Medicine Hat. Yeah. That's right. Now, was it Nuge was drafted first overall? So, is it an obvious question that he had the most accomplished uh, junior career of all the Oilers? I mean, but Lucic was pretty good too, well, eh? No, actually, that's I wouldn't say that because he only played two years. Like, Lucic won a, a Memorial Cup, which was incredible. Mm-hmm. But then you got Chris Russell, who played four years, won a WHL championship, played World Juniors. Jordan Eberle played four years, uh, won a gold medal at the World Juniors. I mean, Nuge, we only had him for his 16- and 17-year-old years. So, I mean, 16-year-old year was you know, really good by 16-year-old standards. His 17-year-old year was amazing. It was over 100 points. And then he was gone. So the junior career, albeit accomplished, sure, but short, you know, didn't play World Juniors and didn't go to Memorial Cup or anything like that. Well, he played World Juniors after he was already an Oiler, right? That's right. Because <laughs> he, he went over. Then. But yeah, he was he was no longer a WHL player. Now, when Nuge jumped, and and we all know the tough years the Oilers had. When he jumped straight into the NHL as a rookie and, and stayed, were you surprised at all? A little. Uh, I just thought, given his uh, his, his strengths at that time. That, and I know he was first overall, so it's almost a slam dunk that he's going to play in the National Hockey League. I don't doubt for a second that the Edmonton Oilers thought maybe we send this guy back to junior uh, before. That was probably in their minds before training camp, before the preseason. When he led them in scoring in preseason, I don't know how you're going to send him back. Well, how, do you, how do you sell that to the fan base? Oh, yeah, he was the best guy in training camp, and we just took him first overall. But we're going to send him back to junior. Because we don't think he's quite good enough, you know? Mm-hmm. It would have been a pretty tough sell, I think, at that point. And by the way, we have almost no other centers. Oh, yeah, that. There's that, too. So uh, it would have been great to have him back. His 18-year-old year would have been amazing. And I think uh, like he would have put up huge numbers here and stuff. And, you know, would it have hurt his development? I highly doubt it. But it didn't hurt his development any uh, playing in the NHL either. So, yeah. And a listener caught me. Of course, I forgot Laurent Brassois. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, he, L, LB was good. Yeah. He, you could just tell he was, he had all the qualities, even in junior. And he's going to be a pretty good pro. Uh, so I'm not surprised he is where he is now. And, and I'm happy for him because I thought he was a great goaltender. Yeah. And hopefully he gets a start this weekend because they, they have complimented him on how hard he's been working in practice, which are most of the opportunities he's had recently, though he did have uh, three appearances a couple of weeks ago. Cam, uh, thanks for going down WHL memory lane with us. But let's talk about it. the uh, current edition of the league. The yeah. second round series are set. Kelowna is going to play Portland. Everett will play Seattle. And Ethan Bear, Oilers draft pick, flying for the Thunderbirds over two points a game in the playoffs. Lethbridge will take on Medicine Hat. Lethbridge uh, eliminated the team you call the Red Deer Rebels. And Regina will play Swift Current. And Regina, an awesome team this year. Were there any surprises in the first round? I know I think there were a couple lower seeds that won, but was there any huge shock in your mind? Well, the Swift Current over Moose Jaw was a lower seed, taking a higher seed, a, a three taking out a two. But by no means was that a shock. 
Uh, that was a bit of a pick'em, I think, going in. The Prince George uh, losing to Portland. Uh, that was uh, the number one team in the BC division getting beat out by a wild card team. So that one, from the outside looking in, is probably more of a surprise. Although, if you look at the way the two teams were playing going into the playoffs, Prince George in the last couple of months was just slightly above 500, whereas Portland was on a bit of a roll, and Portland just kept rolling. And Prince George struggled, and uh, you know, got eventually they got taken out. So a number one seed gets bumped out. But they were a team that had a huge lead in the BC division at one point, and then by the time you got to the end, I mean, they were just barely ahead of the Kelowna Rockets. So they had a tough second half, and it certainly followed them into the playoffs. So I would say that one is you know, a bit of a surprise, but the rest of them maybe not so much. They were all the top, you know, the higher seeds uh, winning those series. So not not a lot of surprises. Tell us how the Lethbridge uh, Red Deer series played out. I know we talked to you just before it started. Uh, it did wind up going the distance with Lethbridge winning Game Seven, six two. Uh, there were a couple games that that weren't that close for for a series that went the distance. So I know there was a, a double overtime game as well. How are the Hurricanes able to able to sneak that one out against the Rebels? Well, it was weird. It, it was a weird series, Reed. The Rebels uh, going into Game Six had had the lead for a grand total of 10 minutes and 3 seconds. Wow. Okay. Yeah, and they were up 3-2 in the series. Uh, and then they only had the lead in Game 6 for maybe about 10 minutes. In the entire series, they had the lead for just over 20 minutes. Like, it was, it was unbelievable. Uh, Lethbridge, I thought, shot themselves in the foot a little bit early. Uh, they were uh, rolling in Game 1, and it looked like they took their foot off the gas. And the Red Deer Rebels did a really good job of of busting through the door when the door was opened a little bit, and they come out with a 4-2 win in Game 1, taking advantage of a power play late in the game to get the game-winning goal. Uh, in Game 2, it was uh, it was all Lethbridge. Game 3, Lethbridge had a 3-1 lead with three minutes left, and they tanked a couple of goal lead and then lost in double overtime. Evan Poli scored the most amazing goal. It was a one-on-three, and he turned it into a breakaway, which was unbelievable. And then, uh, yeah, Lethbridge started to figure it out later on. Giorgio Estefan, who's a Southside Athletic Club guy, a fourth year with the Hurricanes, Buffalo Sabre draft pick, he was gone for games three and four. He came back for the rest of the series after that, and he made a significant impact, I thought. Uh, Red Deer, with a team that's younger than the Lethbridge Hurricanes and, uh, and probably not as deep, battled hard, and they pushed it. You know, they got that thing to seven, but Lethbridge eventually wins out with, more depth, more scoring depth for sure. And Red Deer only had four guys that were scoring. Uh, they had one guy that had one goal, and then the rest were all through four guys. And one of those four, Evan Poli, was suspended for game seven. So that made it really tough. But I thought Red Deer gave it a good effort. Uh, they battled to the end. Uh, Lethbridge was a little too much. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up Evan Poli because uh, a texter from the Wetaskiwin area, which I believe is Evan's hometown, yeah. says, can you ask Cam about Evan Poli, uh, I hear he may become an oiler. Well, I don't know about that, but we'll see. Uh, but what about this young man? I think he was an overage, wasn't he? Yeah, 20-year-old this year, and yeah, he's from Wetaskiwin. Future mayor of Wetaskiwin, I'm guessing. <laughs> nice. I don't know how he won't be. Uh, he uh, uh, has uh, signed a deal with Bakersfield. So he's got an American League deal. So he's got the AHL deal, right? That's correct, yeah. Right, so him becoming an oiler is... It could happen. Other thing, but other things got to happen, yes. Yeah, yeah. A few more things have to fall into place, but 
uh, he's on the road that way, so that's good. Uh, Evan had a great uh, four-year career here. He was drafted originally by the Saskatoon Blades, and the Rebels acquired him in his 17-year-old year, just a couple of games into the regular season. And Evan was an outstanding Red Deer Rebel for four years. Extremely sad to see him go. He was our Humanitarian of the Year nominee the last three years. I mean, anything that needed to be done off the ice, Evan was the first one to step up and was always great at any event we went to. So uh, we really appreciated everything he did, not only on the ice, but off the ice. And, uh, yeah, he's, he's moving on to a pro career, which is great. That's what, he, that's what he was striving for. It's what he really wanted. And I wish him the best. I hope one day to see him in the NHL. All right, and before I let you go, I know you know. You're, even though the team you cover is eliminated, I don't think your work is that. Are you going to be between the benches, buddy? That's dangerous. Yeah, yeah well, they clearly couldn't find anybody good. So they're, oh, uh, come on. They, they've they've uh, you know gone to the bottom of the barrel. But anyway, yeah, I'm between the benches guy, and I think I'm doing some intermission stuff for Shaw in the Lethbridge Medicine Hat series. So I'm going to drive to the hat tomorrow morning. Are, have you done stuff from ice level before, like like oh, actual? Yeah. Uh, yeah, and? I've done like multiple series on Shaw over the years between the benches. I did, okay, I didn't realize you'd done it that much, and you're you're relatively unscathed. Like you've only been hit with a puck. If you're an old goalie, so you know you don't get out of the Reed, way when the puck Reed, comes. I made a career in this league of not getting hit with a puck. <laughs> like I am, I have an amazing ability to get out of the way of that thing. Hey. Anybody that played against me can attest to that. I, in your era, a goals against average over six was just fine. Yeah, yeah, geez. yeah. That's right. Off ice specialist. That was me. Yeah. All right. Well, we're giving you a hard time. Uh, well, that's going to be a fun series. Uh, and Regina is still the the top dog, eh? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. They got Swift Current here. This right, they get going tonight. Actually, that building availability issues. But yeah, right now uh, Regina hasn't done anything to lead you to believe they're not the top squad right now. So we'll see if they can keep it rolling. Cam, we'll do this once we get into the conference finals for another update, man. Really appreciate it and enjoy covering uh, the hat in Lethbridge, man. Okay, thanks very much. Talk to you soon. Cam Moon checking in. Play-by-play voice for the Red Deer Rebels. Knows a ton about the Western Hockey League. Good to talk with him for sure. All right, Oilers and Sharks. We're going to have the face-off show starting at 7. The game will start at 8.30. Talbot versus Jones, the expected goaltending matchup. Uh, Martin Jones, a former Western Hockey League player himself. But we're going to go to Northlands Coliseum after the break. Morley Scott with an update on the red-hot Canadian curling team. This is Matt Hendricks from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chet. Well, it's interesting we're playing a view to a kill. I guess that what uh, you could call it if you're sitting in the stands at Northlands Coliseum watching Canada play at the Men's World Curling because they have been steamrolling through the competition as we bring in Morley Scott, who's been covering it for 630 Chet. Morley, how are you doing? I'm I'm good. Reed. You're absolutely right. They they have been killing it all week long. They they've outscored their opponents 86 to 31. They have uh, played 25 fewer ends than they've needed to over the 10 games they've played to go to 10 and 0. So Brad Goosh has just been controlling things here at uh, the Coliseum all week long. All right. So basically, their games are averaging about seven and a half ends. So what is it? They've only gone the distance twice. The full 10 twice and not since uh, the last time they did it was Sunday night ironically two of the teams 
in the playoffs are the two teams that took him to 10 ends, uh, Sweden and Switzerland, uh, who were uh, both uh, losers to Canada by two points in both those games, but they're both in the playoffs along with the USA as the fourth team. So I uh, don't know how it's going to go tonight against Norway as far as how many ends they're going to play, but I'm pretty sure that the 1-2 game is going to uh, go 10 ends tomorrow night. All right, so Canada has clinched first. Are, are they? Do they want to go 11-0 tonight and beat Norway? Like, are they that hyper about it? Are they going to let their fifth play? How are they approaching this one? I don't know as of yet uh, what that situation is going to be. They they have said, and Brad Gushu said it all along, he's not concerned about the record. He's concerned about playing well. He's concerned about uh, getting the information he needs to get to get into the playoffs and having everybody healthy at that time. So uh, Salos has only been in, uh, I think, for a couple of ends in one game uh, during the week. So we'll see what happens tonight if he gets in or not. But uh, uh, he has an opportunity to uh, do it. Uh, the last Canadian to go undefeated in the round robin at the Worlds was Mark Dacey back in 2004. But again, uh, Gushu has been saying, I don't care about the record. I just care about winning on Sunday. And he wants to do everything he can to set it up so that he wins on Sunday. And uh, he's not concerned about today. He wants to win today. He's going to play as well as he can today. But he wants everything to be ready for Sunday. What What's it been like watching all the games, Morley? Because, I mean, look, we know, we've always said it, the Briar is often more competitive than the Worlds. And I think that's true this year. Only two teams have taken Canada to 10 ends. I mean, do other do you get the sense that the other most of the other rinks are going into this like, all right, let's just try not to get beat too badly, or what's sort of the body language and the vibe been like? They're shaking hands after six, seven, and eight ends, so you can tell that right away tells you something about what teams think about the competition. They know they don't have a, a chance to come back in a lot of these games. It's funny you bring that up. Uh, Gushu was talking the other night about he tries to avoid watching the teams that aren't as as skilled and aren't as good as the you know there's four or five countries here who are above the rest for sure Every, you know there's a there's a definite uh, division amongst these teams and Gushu was saying if you watch the wrong teams and how they do things on the ice because they're not making the right calls you might get a bad read on what the ice is doing at a certain time so he says he's just tried to stay away from uh, watching games that involve the teams like russia and the netherlands because you know they're just learning the sport they're not very good russia's uh, over this whole week they've been outscored badly in every game they've played they're pretty much the exact opposite of what canada's accomplished this game so uh, there's a clear division between the good teams and the bad teams here it's a pretty big gap really when you think about it and you're right it's a much bigger gap from first to last here than it is at the Briar. And I would think a team that, that finishes at the bottom of the standings at the Briar could probably be middle of the pack, possibly, at the World Championships. All right, Morley, so Canada-Norway tonight. Tell us about the 1-2 game. When is it? Who's the opponent going to be? Or when will we find that out? It's all set. The playoffs are all set. The 1-2 game goes tomorrow night, 7 o'clock here at the Coliseum. Canada will play Sweden in that game. Okay. Uh, Sweden's playing tonight against the Netherlands, so they'll probably finish at 9-2. and two. Uh, Switzerland and the USA will play in the 3-4 game. That game will go Saturday afternoon, and then the loser of the 1-2 game and the winner of the 3-4 game will play Saturday night in the semifinal. And the winner will play the winner of the 1-2 game in the gold medal game Sunday at 6 o'clock here at, uh, at the Coliseum. The loss of a bronze medal game, I believe that goes at noon on Sunday as well. Okay, so how, how good is Sweden? Uh, uh, pretty good. Uh, you know, they're, they're, they're going to finish probably 9-2. and two. So that's, uh, you know, they lost to Canada. As I said earlier, they took Canada to 10 ends. So uh, they're, they're a team that's pretty good. Uh, Nicholas Adin has 
won the world championships a couple of times before. He's also, both times he's won it, it's been in Canada. Uh, he's a world-class curler, so uh, he will give competition in the 1-2 game. There's no doubt about that. He gave, uh, he gave Gushu and Team Canada some competition earlier in the week. Was I, I believe the score was 8-6 in that game against Sweden, and it did go the full 10 end. So it was a tough game to play, and I'm sure it'll be the toughest test probably since they played each other on Sunday when they meet uh, tomorrow for Brad Gushu. All right. Well, Morley, we appreciate the updates. We'll have to do this again tomorrow. Gushu is playing awesome. You're doing an awesome job, buddy. Thanks, Reed. That's Morley Scott checking in from Northlands Coliseum. Wow, Gushu is just obliterating the field. 9-2 win this morning. You heard Morley say that he's played 25 fewer ends than the maximum through 10 games, so they are often shaking hands early. There won't be any handshakes in San Jose tonight. Oilers and Sharks tangling for second place in the division and maybe keeping first place hopes alive as well. We'll transition into the face-off show after the 7 o'clock news. We'll bring in Bob Stoffer. Jack Michaels is going to call the game. Rob Brown will join us too. This has been Inside Sports on 630 Chet. My name is Reed Wilkins. Talk to you in a few minutes. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.